Oh, thank you. Man, that's something, huh? Oh, thanks. Man, I'm... Oh, thanks a lot. Hey, how about, how about give it up for your pastor, Pastor Joby, huh? It's, man, it's such an honor to be here. It's an honor to be here. Great friends of ours, Pastor Joby and Gretchen. He's got a great family. And how about the staff and volunteers here at 1122 as well? Let's give it up. You guys are just under amazing leadership. And it's just amazing what, uh, what God is doing in 1122. Thank God for the church of 1122. Thank God for your pastors. Because uh, we've got a big job to do in this city, don't we? And, uh, and we, need, we need more and more churches preaching the gospel and living the gospel uh, like 1122. And it's so great to have a, a great friend in Joby and, uh, and have a, a great uh, kindred church here in the city, man, where we can, we can do life together and we can, uh, we can preach Jesus together and reach this city together and do our part. So it's just an honor to be here. That, that introduction... I just have to use that in more things. I, maybe I could introduce myself that way at celebration this Sunday. I, I don't know if it would go over as well, but uh, man, that, I, I'm fired up. I always kind of, you know, most guys kind of identify with Braveheart, you know, in some kind of fantasy way. So I uh, just feel fulfilled tonight in watching that intro video. But man, it's, it's great to be here. Uh, just a little bit about myself. Um, you know, my background, I did, I, I grew up in, in South Louisiana. Don't hold that against me. Uh, I am a Cajun. Um, I, I'm a great Cajun cook. Uh, just want to let you know that right now. I do need to let some of you Northerners know, though, the real secret to expensive Cajun food. And that is really Cajun food is whatever crawls out of the ditch. We hit it over the head with a stick. We throw it in a pot. We put a bunch of hot sauce on it, and we serve it to you for like $50 a plate. Okay, so that's what Cajun, Cajun food is. But uh, I grew up, you know, I went to LSU. My, my home wasn't really a God-centered home, so I, I went to LSU, and I, I got uh, kind of started living the wild, crazy party life when I went to LSU. And, uh, you know, I, I, even though I was kind of out partying and living crazy and all that kind of stuff, um, I did make a couple of really good decisions when I went to college. The first really good decision that uh, I made was I chose to join the wildest fraternity on campus. All right. And then I compounded that good decision with another really good decision. I chose to work at the at wildest bar on campus. I tried, they hired me as a bouncer. What y'all laughing at? <clears throat> Let me tell you something. I might not have it now, but back in the day, I had it going on. You hear me? I got, I got pictures. Are you still up here playing the keyboard? I, you can you give Matt a hand. You can just roll on out of here, Matt. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know, uh, I had big goals, dreams, hopes, aspirations. You might say because I wanted to go from being a bouncer to being a bartender. It's going to be like that guy, what was that movie, uh, Tom Cruise, you know, uh, Cocktail, uh, back in, yeah that, that, yeah, that was my dream, that was my hope, I went a ladies man and, fl- you know, flipping the bottles and the drinks and all that stuff, I'm so glad that God had a different dream for my life, right in the middle of all that craziness, I had uh, some people that were praying for me and I surrendered my life 
totally to Jesus, and Jesus radically changed my life. And so, look, I want to encourage all of you parents and all of you who have friends and loved ones that on the outside look like they're far from God. Listen, you keep praying. You keep believing God. You lift them up before the throne over these next few days and saturate. And I'm telling you, no matter what it looks like on the outside, you keep believing God for them because God is doing something on the inside and they're going to come to Jesus. Don't you give up on them. Don't you give up. So, I, I, uh, you know, I surrendered my life to Jesus right in the middle of my, my college career. You know, I was about four years into college, right in the middle of my education. I mean, why rush it? You know what I'm saying? Come on. Dad was paying. I'm on that six, eight-year plan, holla, you know. <laughs> I'm still paying my dad back to this day, but. You know, so, so, man, I really got on fire for God, and then I started reading in the Bible, um, you know, like, man, you got to be ready. Like, Jesus could come back any moment. He could come back any minute. I mean, no man knows the day or the hour. And so I started thinking, man, Jesus could come back any time. So I started thinking about all these classes I still had to take to graduate. You know what I'm saying? And the ones that I didn't like to take. And I'm thinking, man, Jesus might come back before I ever graduate. So some of these classes I don't like, like college algebra, I'm just going to push that thing off to the very last semester because if Jesus comes back, come on, I'm just taking the Bible seriously. I, 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 I hope you're taking it seriously. And so, so I'm like, man, I'm going to put college algebra off to the very last semester. Maybe Jesus will come back. Well, obviously, he didn't come back. However... Right before my last semester, I had to take that class to graduate. LSU came out and they said, hey, we have a a, a new qualification if this is your major and you no longer have to take college algebra. We've got a substitute class for you called consumer math. There's four houses on the street. The mailman delivers three pieces of mail to each house. How many pieces of mail did the mailman deliver? Yes. I aced that class. You hear me? I aced that class. Consumer math. See, there's, I'm telling you when, you, when you're taking the return of Christ seriously, there's no telling the blessings <laughs> that can come your way. But you know what I found in life? That, that, that in life, it's kind of like we have a consumer math formula for what a happy life looks like. And it looks something like this. You know, the, 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 the right spouse and the, plus the right job plus plenty of money minus pain and suffering minus... Lots of problems equals a happy life. And the reason that we think that and the we, reason that we believe that is because we think that happiness in life is an issue of need. I, it, you know, if I, I need these certain needs met and then my life can be blessed or my life can be happy. If I just, you know, had a better this or I had a, a, a better that or if I had more of this or I have more of that, we think that happiness in life is an issue of need. But happiness in life is not an issue of need. It's an issue of order. And that's what Jesus taught us in Matthew 6, 33, when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything that you need will be added unto you. See, when order is restored, 
blessing is released. When order is restored, blessing is released. And when Jesus died for us on the cross and and his blood was shed for us, man, he restored us. He's redeemed us and restored us back to the Father. And if we will walk out Jesus truly being first in our lives, I'm telling you, that's what a blessed life is all about. It's not about the stuff. It's not about going after the stuff. It's about being satisfied in Jesus. And so that's what I want to talk to you about on this first night of saturate. I want to talk about getting saturated with Jesus and how to, kind of that first step of when we put God first about how to saturate ourselves with his presence and get things right on the inside so that we can live life, what I call, from the inside out. The reason that there's so much pain and and, and sorrow in this world or people are trying to live their lives from the outside in. They're subject to circumstances or pain or problems or pressure or approval and all that stuff. The only way to be fulfilled in Jesus is to learn how to take your needs to God and live life from the inside out. Amen? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to uh, Psalms. I'm going to read out of Psalms and I'm going to read out of Genesis and... Uh, We're going to jump in the word tonight. This is saturate, right? Well, man, this is the, we're we're, 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 we're going to, we're going to get saturated. Psalm 42, one and two, it says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my, so my soul, so pants my soul for you. Everybody say soul. So I want you to think about that. My soul pants for you. So we're talking about saturated, being saturated in God's presence and his, his, his word, being saturated with God. That's a, that's a cry from our soul. It says, so, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And then Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Everybody say living soul. I want to talk to you about soul care tonight and how that's connected to your worship of Jesus. And I've entitled this message, The Thirsty Soul. The thirsty soul. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the amazing church of 1122. God, it's such an honor to preach here. And Lord, I pray tonight that we would learn how to satisfy our soul in you. How to quench our thirst in you, Jesus. God, saturate us with your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. And amen. You know, you hear a lot about in our in our world, in our culture, you, you hear a lot about self-care, you know, like take care of your, take care of yourself, like self-care. You know, we're all about taking care of ourselves and taking care of ourselves, and that's a good thing, but you hear very little about soul care. And this is what I want to say about your soul. The soul is the most important is, is the most important part of you. There is nothing more valuable than your soul. However, there is nothing more delicate, more fragile 
than your soul. Jesus said it perfectly when he talked about in the gospel. And he said, hey, look, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his very, what? Soul. And he goes on to say, he says, is anything more valuable than your soul? Is there anything more important than your soul? God created you. He created your soul. And we kind of understand, you know, Thessalonians says that, that uh, we're body, soul, and spirit. We understand we receive Jesus, right? That the Holy Spirit comes on the inside and Christ in us. The hope of glory, that's kind of the God part of us. We understand our physical bodies and, and you know, we see them and how we can connect to this earth. But there's a lot of misunderstanding about the soul. And so I want to give you a definition of your soul. And this comes straight out of here of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The Hebrew word for soul is nephesh. And here's what it means. It means that which breathes, a breathing substance or being. It's, it's your being. It's like your soul is who you truly are. Your being, anima, the soul, the inner being of man, a soul, living, live, living being, life, self, person, desire, passion, appetite, and emotion. Your soul is the most valuable, the most precious part of you. It is the life center of all human beings. So let me give you a few things about your soul so that you can understand kind of how your soul is formed and how it works and how it is related to your thirst and need for God. First of all, number one, you are a soul made by God. You're a soul made by God. So here's what that means, right? We just saw in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that God breathed life into Adam and he became what? A living soul. Your soul was created by God. Watch. It is the, it is the internal part of you and it's also the eternal part of you. Your soul will live forever somewhere. It was, it's made by God. It was formed by God. It is eternal. We understand our earthly bodies are going to go back into the dirt, not your soul. It is made for eternity. So understand that God, your soul that was made by God, also your soul was made for a relationship with God. So we understand that God created him, Adam. Here's what, here's what we have to understand about relationship, okay? So Adam and man was created for a relationship with God. So your soul... Your soul, your mind, the inner part of you from that definition, your mind, your will, your emotions. A lot of theologians say that the heart is the center of the soul, but it's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So God made your soul. Watch this. Your soul was designed, mind, will, emotions, heart at the center, your passions and appetites. It was created to be in relationship or unity and harmony with God. In other words... Your soul is what is supposed to integrate yourself in unity and harmony with God. However, when man chose to sin, what? That was, that was broken. And so if you think the soul is what integrates us with unity and harmony with God, when man sinned and that was broken, now the soul was what? It was disconnected or began to disintegrate See, it was integrated with God, then it disconnected through sin, so there was disconnection or disintegration. So when you think when something disintegrates, what happens? It breaks apart. It fractures. 
And it ends up coming uh, or coming into something through fracturing, through breaking up. It intends, it ends up becoming something that was far from the original design. That's why we need to say, thank God for Jesus. Because we were lost souls. We were disintegrated. We were becoming, we were broken. We were become, man was, was, was becoming this, this entity that was far from the original design. But Jesus died to bring us back to God. That's what salvation is. Salvation uh, means wholeness. And so when Jesus died, when his blood was shed, was shed for us, he, he brought that integration back between man and God where our soul now can be reunited with its life source that can be integrated with our heavenly father. And that's why we see these scriptures in the Psalms that talks about, Lord, my soul, it thirsts for you. It cries out for you. I want to tell you this, church. Listen, there is nothing that can satisfy your soul like Jesus. There's a lot of things out there that we have a thirst for and that we want, but none of those things will bring wholeness. None of those things will bring the integration. None of those things will bring us back to the life center other than Jesus Christ himself. Okay, so watch. Have you ever, let's be honest. Have you ever wondered why like, okay, I'm speaking from a Christian perspective here. Okay, so we get saved, right? We're sinners saved by grace. We get saved. Jesus is now at the center of our lives. You heard those amazing testimonies by the people that, that were baptized tonight. I remember a couple of them were talking about there was a void. There was a, a, a hole. Nothing could fill it. What That soul was disconnected, disintegrated. Then Jesus came in. That was filled. It was satisfied. So why is it, watch, why is it that believers, even though we know this, why is it that we're so easily, we so easily succumb to temptation and to sin? Well, this leads me to my next point about the soul, okay? Look, watch. Your soul is made to need God. It's made to need God, okay? It's created for a relationship with God, right? So it's made to need God, right? That was the, Adam's big sin, right? I mean, that was really at, at the core. It was, it was unbelief. It was rebellion. He, he chose to disconnect from his surrendering to God, needed God, moved out on his own. Okay, so your soul's made to need God, but what do we know about God? Is God unlimited? Is he infinite? In the grace of God unlimited? In the love of God unlimited? In the power of God unlimited? In the mercy of God unlimited? Aren't you glad that we serve an unlimited God? He is unlimited. There is no limits to the sovereignty. He is the almighty God. Jesus said, I am the great I am. There is nothing that can ever compare to God. He, Jesus is the preeminent one. He is unlimited. There is no limits to God. He's eternal. He's everlasting. But watch this. Your soul was created to have this pipeline to this unlimited God so that there would be this unlimited supply of his love, of his grace, all these amazing things about God. But watch, when man chose to sin and break off from God, he broke off from the unlimited source, but the soul kept its unlimited desire. 
In other words, the neediness of the soul, it's unlimited. Because it was created to have this relationship, this connection with God. So that's why what are people going around in, in life? What are they doing? They're, they're constantly, the, the thirst of the soul, the neediness of the soul, it's unlimited. They're, you're constantly trying to satisfy your soul. You're constantly, that thirst is, 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 is unlimited. The neediness of the soul is unlimited. So that's why if you don't learn how to get happy and fulfilled in God, your soul was created to be happy and fulfilled. If you don't get that from God, you will try to get it somewhere else. There's no neutral ground. And so when we, when we talk about sin as, as, at its core, at its essence, what, what is sin? It means to miss, miss the mark. What is the mark? The mark is wholeness. So sin at its essence, really idolatry at its essence, when, is when we put things before God and we try to fulfill the neediness of our soul in things other than God and that distance us from God. So what we have is we have people constantly trying to quench the thirst of their soul, the unlimited neediness of their soul, constantly trying to quench that thirst, unfortunately, on things that distance them from God. And what does that do to the soul? That continues to fragment it. It continues brokenness. In fact, in the, in the Hebrew, the word for wicked, when you see wicked talked about, you know, the wicked in, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, the word for wicked actually means crooked or broken. It's the brokenness of the soul. You know, in James, where, you know, it's talking about, uh, you know, all those things about, you know, you, 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 uh, you know, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That word double-minded in the Greek, it actually means uh, splintered soul or fractured soul. That's why later on in James, when it goes on to say, you know, you, you, you have not because you ask not. And then when you do ask, you ask for things according to your lust that you can spend it on your pleasures. And what he's basically saying is this. He's saying, listen, God is not going to give you anything that distances you from him and fractures your soul. So here's the good news, okay? This unlimited neediness of the soul, there's only one thing that can match the unlimited neediness of your soul, and that is the unlimited love and grace of God found in Jesus. As needy as your soul is, I'm telling you, God will fill it. God will overflow it. I'm telling you, church, listen, if on these last few days, if in this saturate, we can really learn what it means to saturate and satisfy our soul on Christ. If we could live that song that we sing, cornerstone, Christ alone, Lord, truly, you are all of all I need. Lord, truly, you're the one that can satisfy my soul. If we'll stop going out. After all of the things that are bringing us brokenness and fracturing us and distancing us from God and say, Lord, no more. From now on, I know what my soul needs, Lord. I think I need these other things, but what I really need is you. We've got to learn how to train our soul. So let me give you some soul coaching. 
or some soul. Remember that? What was that show? Remember Soul Train? Wasn't that an awesome show? That's where I learned all my dance moves. If y'all, if y'all have never seen me dance, I'm telling you, you're missing out. You're missing out. The Soul Train. Doom, 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 doom. Somebody coming down that. You that chord? You know that? Line them up on it. Don't get me going. Well, look, I'm all for a soul train, but what we really need is soul training. We need to train the soul. We need to learn how to coach our soul. So let me just give you some, some coaching, and then this, we're going to see where this ties in to worship. Okay, so here's some coaching for your soul. Listen, you've got to learn how to speak to your soul. You've got to learn how to coach your soul. Okay, so the next time that passion, that thirst... Whatever that thing is, the next time you're drawn, you're tempted to try to satisfy the thirst of your soul with something that distances you from God, here's what you need to say to your soul. You know that song, It Is Well With My Soul? This is how we get there. Watch. Say to your soul, soul, I know. Well, you don't have to say it now. (laughs) It's an awesome church, man. They're like ready to go. Like we're, We're saying it right now. But when that, that, that draw for trying to say, you, you say to yourself, like, soul, I know that you think that this is what you need to quench your thirst, but what you really need is Jesus. I'm having this temptation. I'm having this, this draw. I mean, and we could, we could get into all kind of things here. I mean, it could be something serious that distances you from God. It could be something that just distances you from God. You know, some people, they have a, you know, they just can't get enough stuff. They've always, some people, their need for approval. They've got to be popular with this group of people. Some people, it's, it's like they, they, they can't get over a past hurt, and there's, they're always thinking about, they can't forgive this person, and they're, they're thinking about ways to, you know, to get back at them or whatever the thing. Whenever you're drawn, a desire, a thirst, an appetite, for something that you know is going to distance you from God, you need to say to your soul, so you think that you need to quench your thirst with that. That's what you think you need. But what you really need is Jesus because you were made for Jesus. And the only thing that can really quench the thirst that you're having, soul, is Jesus Christ and the unlimited grace and love and living water that flows from him. Come on, let's start quenching. Right, let's get saturated with Jesus tonight, church, and from this day forward. So, so this is kind of where, where worship <clears throat> comes in, okay? So the, the first step of worship is turning towards God to satisfy your soul. That's the first step of worship. When you turn towards God to satisfy your soul. Now, now we're saying Jesus is first. Jesus is preeminent. It's all about Jesus. Like we say that, but watch this. We've got to learn how to satisfy our soul in Jesus. And so here's where we get into worship. Of course, there's a lifestyle of worship, and there's also the act of worship. I'm going to talk to you about the act of worship tonight and how that ties into satisfying your soul. But see here, when you're trying to get out of stuff, 
Okay, you can't just get out of stuff. You, you've got you've to replace what you're trying to get out of. It's like when the Bible says, awaken unto righteousness and sin not. For too long the church has just been sin not, sin not, sin not. Listen, you can't sin not unless you awaken to righteousness. And we're made righteous in Christ, right? So you are righteous, right? We're sinners saved by grace, right? The blood of Jesus has made us righteous, right? So you're a child of God. So you've got access to the throne, right? So all that stuff that you think has so much power over you really doesn't have any power over you because the blood of Jesus has washed all that away. This is what Jesus was trying to tell. Remember the woman, the woman at the well? And, and what she had had, what, five husbands? And then she was living with a guy? And, and, and Jesus came to her and he started teaching her about what? About worship. Now I want you to think about the brokenness of her soul, the fracturing, what had happened to her where she was still trying to quench that thirst. She'd gone through five husbands. Who knows what was going on? But she was still trying to quench that thirst and those other things. And what did Jesus say? He said, look, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask me for a living more. You know what Jesus was saying? He said, those things... That brokenness that you have and the things that you're trying to quench your soul with, those things will never satisfy you. Only Jesus can satisfy you. Only Jesus has the living water. And worship, when we talk about the very act of worship, it's how we step into or how we take the first step towards Jesus in satisfying our soul in him. And I want to say this, maybe you're in here tonight and, uh, you know, like, man, we're, we're talking about worship. We're talking about all this deep soul stuff and all that kind of stuff. I, I, want, I want to say this. Listen, if you're in here tonight and you're away from God, you know, like you're, you're a lost soul. See, we, here's what we think. We think that, okay, a lost soul has to do with the destination. Okay, we think like people are lost because of, where they're headed. But no, no, people are headed to a place because they're lost. Does that make sense? Lost is, it's not about the destination, even though there is a destination. Lost is about the condition. So a lost soul has, it's, it starts with the condition of the soul. People wind up in a destination because of the condition that their soul is lost. You follow me? It's kind of like, you know, I, I, I love to fish. Do I have anybody that, who, who likes to fish in here? Some fishermen. Okay, so so growing up in South Louisiana, man, I mean, I love like I love fishing. And me and my friends, we went to like the most dangerous fishing place, I think, in all the world. Okay, so we go down there and remember, this was like this is before all the you know the modern technology and all that stuff. We would go down to this place, Venice, Louisiana, that was an hour and a half below New Orleans. And at Venice, we would get into a boat, and all our boats were old and beat up and all kind of stuff. And then you get in that boat, and you go 20 to 30 miles down the Mississippi River, okay? And at the very end of the Mississippi River, where it empties out into the Gulf, we had this little place where we could camp. There was like two crazy Cajuns and an alligator that lived there. And we would go down there. Man, we were crazy. It was kind of like this. The fishing is so good down there. If you can just get down there alive, you're going to catch a ton of fish. 
And so I can't tell you how many times I was lost at sea. Like, it would be a calm day. We'd go out in our little broken boats. Man, we had all kind of things go wrong. I busted out a prop one time way out in the Gulf. I got caught in storms uh, way out in the Gulf. One time, I mean, my motor broke a couple of times. I remember this last time that uh, I was lost at sea. Unfortunately, I had my son with me. I was so mad. You, you, you ever do, come on, dads, you ever... Do you ever have an experience and you're like, man, I thought I was like past that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like I, I was so stupid for so long in this area. Like, am I now passing this on to my son? You know? <laughs> so this was just a couple of years ago. And so, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm past all my near death experiences out of Venice. So it's, it's me. It's our same group. It's my same old college buddies. You know, all the guys that did the eight-year plans at LSU. It, it, so we're like, man, we're going to take our sons to our favorite fishing spot out of, out of Venice. So, man, we, you know, get, we do everything to make this trip a success. We know exactly where the fish are going to, but we know we got everything just right. The poles, the right bait. We know exactly where the fish are going to be offshore, which rig, all that kind of stuff. So we get out there. Everything's great. We catch all these fish. We're on our way back in. <laughs> boat dies. So I'm like, man, what's, well, I mean, the motor's finally just like died. And I was talking to my friend. I was like, man, what, what do you think this could be? And he was like, oh, man, did we put gas? <laughs> did we remember to put gas in the boat? We forgot to fill the boat up with gas. I couldn't believe it. I was like, God, is this judgment? I can't believe so what? So we go adrift out in the Gulf of Mexico, man. I mean, we're, we're out there. Listen, it's not like it is off the Jacksonville coast. It's not like all these big cities and, you know, you're out there in the Atlantic and there's all these marine bases and helicopters flying around and rescue boats. Let me tell you something. When you're 30 miles out, out of Venice, Louisiana, there's nobody there. If any boat comes by, it's illegal. It's a drug trade. It's a, it's a cartel. It's an illegal swimmer. You better be careful when you're flagging down a boat, man. They might shoot at your behind. So we go drifting out at sea. Thank God, sure enough, eventually we got in range where one of the cell phones worked and we called this Cajun guy, this shrimper. He came on out there in his brand new boat that BP Oil bought him. I mean, I'll tell you this, no matter what you see on the news, let me tell you something, those Cajuns are living well off BP down there. They love BP. They all got new boats and camps, and I'm just telling you, there's some crazy claims going on down there in Cajun land. Do you know, so we all came in fine, but I started thinking, well, it's like every time I've gotten lost at sea, it's never been because we just went to the wrong place. It was always the condition of the boat. It was the boat, the condition of the boat. It was out of gas, the propeller fell off the, I mean, I could just, the lower unit got ripped out, you know, some weird animal out of the Mississippi got lodged up in something, and, but it was always the condition of the boat, the boat broke down, 
And then we just drifted and became lost. So that's what happens to a lost soul. They're disconnected. It's the condition of their soul. That's what determines the destination. That's how someone ends up lost. And I just want to prophetically say this right now in this room. Listen, if you were here tonight, it's because Jesus wants to bring you home. You're here tonight, and you know right now that you're lost in your soul. I'm going to say that Jesus brought you here tonight, and he's ready to make you whole if you'll surrender your life to him, and he'll quench that thirst. Come on, church. Can you give God a hand? I believe that's going to happen tonight. Okay, so let me, let, me, let me just give you a few things about worship. I want to read out of Matthew chapter and how this relates to the soul. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Isn't that like everybody? <laughs> you ever read that? You ever read those scriptures like, Jesus like doing a trick question here like, you know, like, hey, if there just happens to be anyone who's weary and has a heavy, I mean, that's everybody. Man, the world, our culture, I mean, the pain that life brings us, man, it, it puts a weariness, a heaviness on our soul. Some of you tonight, you're, you're carrying things, man. There's, there's something's happened in your family. There's pain going on in your life. You are carrying, there's a heavy care. There's, there's, there's. There's chaos on the, in the outside of, of your world. You're carrying a heavy burden. There's, there's a weightiness on you. Jesus says this. He says, look, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry hairy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your what? For your souls. See, I believe that this scripture, there's a lifestyle, but I believe that every time that we come to God in worship, you know what? Jesus wants us to put this into practice right here. When we come into worship, Jesus is saying, look, oh, here's what, here's, I, I want you to bring me those heavy burdens, those cares. Isn't it interesting this? In another passage of scripture, you know what Jesus says? He says these kind of very similar words. He says, you know, in the last days, because of the heavy burdens, because of the cares of this life, the love of many will grow cold. People will disconnect from God. But right here, Jesus says, look, these, these same cares, these same heavy burdens that are pressing you, if you bring those to me, you'll find rest for your souls. In other words, watch, we all have stuff, man. We all have pain. We all have weights. We can either let those things drive us from God or bring us to God. And what happens to the soul, see, when your soul is aligned with what you value most, which is Jesus for the believer, when your soul is aligned with what it values most and what can satisfy its needs, that's when the soul is at rest. That's when you can truly say, like the song says, it is well with my soul. If we can learn how to bring those things to Jesus 
And it all starts when we get into the presence of God in worship. So let me give you a few things about worship, how to bring our burdens to Jesus and our cares to Jesus in worship. First thing, Jesus, just a reminder here, I mean, 1122 just does this great. But with, you know, especially our, our youth and our younger generation, always got to remind them this. Jesus must be the focus and center of our worship. Can I have a good amen to that? Like, here's, here's why we got to remind ourselves that. Watch this. Because the music at 1122 is amazing all by itself. I'm going to preach to y'all over here. Who's that back there? I... Man. You get them on the front row, Joby. That... Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. So, you know how, like, like the music's amazing, Right? Right? <laughs> Like, 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 like the atmosphere that 1122 is this, is this amazing, relevant, man, atmosphere, this environment. It's, it's amazing, right? So watch. If we're not careful, we can just kind of come in and be like, this is awesome, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the words, I mean, the music sounds great. People come up to me all the time at, at celebration like, hey, man, nice band, dude. Like, I love, I, I love the band. I come for the band. You know, like, like, I know what they're saying, but watch, watch. Here's what we have to listen. Let me say this the right day. We don't come to 1122 or celebration because it's just good music. That's not the purpose of the music. The music is a tool where we can focus on Jesus. See, music, the, the worship, it's about experiencing the presence of God and learning to unite and satisfy our soul in Jesus. It's about experiencing Him. So that's why when we come in to, 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 to the house of God, when we come into worship, watch, man, we've got to get our focus. I know, I know Pastor Joby preaches this all the time. You've got to get your minds on Jesus, right? You've got to get your focus on Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is the center. Also, just remember this. Worship is not about addition. It's about removal. Watch this. You, you came to worship God here tonight, didn't you? Yeah, what? So you know what? I guarantee you, you had to take something out of this time slot. Am I right? You had to take something out of this time slot so you could let God be God in your life. That's why Matthew 6.33, when Jesus talked about God first, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. He doesn't say don't seek those things. He just says don't seek them first. And the whole context of that is about worry. You're worrying about this. You're worrying about that. You're worrying about this. You're worrying about that. What Jesus is saying is, look, if you'll just take the energy, I don't need you to add anything to your life. I need you to take the energy that you're already spending on worry, and I just need you to spend that on worship. Because energy on worry is energy wasted. Energy on worship is energy invested. And God will give back to you at the highest return. Oh, come on. That's good preaching, man. Uh, uh, he'll give you back what those other things can't give you. So, so when we think about worship, worship, it's, it's much more about removal. Let me, let me say this, okay? It's the same thing with tithing. How many of you know that tithing is an act of worship? That's what the Bible says, right? The tithe is, is holy to the Lord. Okay, watch. You might say, you're thinking this. Well, I don't tithe. Oh, yeah, you do. Something or some things 
or getting the first 10% of your income. It might be one thing. It might be a combination of bills. But you're tithing. It's not a matter of if you're tithing. It's about who you're tithing to. Or what you're tithing to. It's awfully quiet in this Presbyterian <laughs> church. So, what, so what's tithing about? What's that word? It's about removal. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take out these things that are getting my first 10%. Now, they're still going to get whatever they, but I'm just taking them out of the first 10. I'm putting God there. And now that becomes worship. And now God is first in my finances, so now God can bless me back and make my 90% go way further with his blessing than my 100% could without his blessing. Where orders restored, blessings released. Come on, give God a hand to that. Some of you, I believe this. So some of you, some of you, I encourage some of you this this weekend is it needs to be it's going to be your first weekend to truly tithe. It's going to be your first weekend to truly tithe. It's going to be an act of worship to the Lord. It's you're going to get that revelation. You're going to do it one time. God's going to do something in you and for you, and you're never going to go back. You're never going to go back. So worship's about removal, not addition, and, the, just, uh, and true worship brings rest to your soul and power to your life. True worship brings rest to your soul and power to your life. And watch this. In the act of worship, it's, it's not a process. Here's what I mean by that, okay? So, so uh, many of you who, who've been walking with God, you might be familiar with the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Remember when Solomon builds the temple and they're dedicating the temple to the Lord. And he's got the worship. He's got the band, man. Nice band, Solomon. He's got the worship team there. And they begin to, the Bible says this, they strike up the music. And the Bible says they begin to praise. Then they begin to worship God. And watch. The Bible says at that moment, you can look for it in, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. The Bible says at that moment, not next week, you know, not next month. At that moment, the glory of the Lord presence of God filled the temple and no flesh could stand in his presence. Now in the new covenant, what or who's the temple of the Holy Spirit? We are right. So watch when we begin to worship God, our soul is connected to God, right? Jesus makes us whole. Our soul thirsts for God. Lord, Lord, my soul thirst for you as a deer pants my soul thirst for you when we begin to worship and direct that thirst towards Jesus at that moment the see second chronicles it's a foreshadowing of new new covenant worship at that moment the presence of God comes into your life and at that moment no flesh or what's in your flesh will be able to stand here's what that means at that moment of worship when you get to that place in God the temptation the sorrow, the, the, the frustration, the pain, the, the, the things that the world has been beating you down with, the things that has been the fragmenting you and, and, and trying to pull you away from God. At that moment of worship, guess what? 
Guess what? No, no flesh can stand in that. The temptation's going to go away. The, the pain is not going to have its grip. The sorrow is not going to have its hold. See, God has designed worship to be an at-that-moment experience. So many things in our Christian walk are process, discipleship, spiritual maturity, building relationships, all those kind of things. They're a process, not worship. Worship is an at-that-moment experience. That's why in Hebrew, the word for worship, you know what it means? It means to kiss. When we worship God, when we cry out to Jesus to fill our souls and, and exalt Him in worship, God comes down and he, he wants to pull us away. He wants to give us a hug. Even if it's just for a moment, He wants to give you a reprieve from the pain and the temptation and the sorrow and all the crud that the world brings us. He wants you to even if it's just for a moment, He just wants you to have that taste and know this, that look, one day There's going to be no more tears. One day you're going to experience wholeness at at a whole nother level that you can never even imagine. God wants you to taste that. He wants to remind you that this wicked world, it's not your permanent home anyway, man. That your permanent home is in heaven with Jesus. And he satisfies your soul. And that unlimited neediness of your soul will be met forever in Christ. So watch, so your goal, watch, when you get up in the morning, when you're in your car, whatever it is daily, and when you come to church, watch, when you come into worship, you got to be thinking this, I need my moment. That's how worship is designed, watch, God designed worship to get us to a moment where, man, we, our souls, even if it's just for a moment, our souls are satisfied. We taste that part of eternity. We taste that part where we know we're going to be one day. The eternal part of us is aligned with the eternal part of God. And that's why if we will renew our minds in the Word of God and learn how to worship, we can get our flesh To live in a weakened state. Are you following me? This is how the word and the worship work together. If we can renew our minds in the word of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But then experience God in our souls. Through worship. No flesh can stand. It's like your flesh stays in a weakened state. Your soul is aligned with what it values most. Therefore, your soul is at rest like Jesus promised. And you can say, it is well with my soul. It's well with my soul. Okay, so can, can I give you some practicals that you guys know? But I'm just going to, I do this all the, all the time with celebration, just like a reminder, Okay. So when we come in, many of you are going to be you're going to be here. I hope you're here tomorrow night. I hope you're here the next night. I hope you you take advantage of, of saturate man and and get saturated in God's presence. Just a, a, a few things about worship and how God intended to get you to that place. Let me read you one more script, scripture, and I'm gonna I'm gonna close with these things here. Luke ten twenty seven. Jesus answered, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength." And with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. 
I'm not going to get into this, but you know why people, you know why people, have you ever heard that saying, hurting people hurt people? Well, the reason hurting people hurt people is because hurting people don't love themselves because there's unrest in their soul. But if you can, if you can walk out of health, if you can walk in wholeness, see, you love yourself, you've learned how to satisfy your needs in God, you've learned how to get your identity and your affirmation in God, you understand how much you matter because God would have not created you if you didn't matter a ton. You're very, very important to God. You're very, very important to, to the, the, the church of God. You're very, very important to the world. If you weren't important, if you didn't matter, God wouldn't have made you, okay? He created all things for his good pleasure. But Jesus has given us a, a pathway here of how to worship. Okay, so watch this. It talks about, you know, loving God with what? Your, your strength, mind, soul. And then that leads to the heart, okay? So here's what we can do. How many of y'all came in here tired tonight? Just be honest. Okay, how many of you? Think about this. How many of you almost didn't come? Be honest. Okay. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So watch this. Here's the one thing, regardless of where You are how you feel when you come into God's house. There's one thing that you can control when we go into praise and worship. Like your mind might be someplace. Your emotions might be another place. But you know what you got? You got your strength. Because you're here, right? I mean, getting here is like 90% of the battle. Okay, so you got your strength. So that's why when we kicked off praise tonight, what there was that song. And what were we doing? We were clapping, right? You've got to watch. Before you can love God with all of your heart, Sometimes you got to start with your strength and your strength will eventually get to your heart and soul. So regardless of how you feel, man, they kick up that praise. Come on, we, let's clap. We're going to, we got our strength, our bodies. That's what strength means. Come on, clap right now. Clap, clap. Are you ready for this? When the praise kicks up and you start to clap like this, you know what you're doing? It's like an alarm clock going off for your soul. You know what you're telling your soul? You better wake up, oh my soul. Awake, oh my soul. You're about to get happy. You're about to get out of that pit. You're about to get out of that depression. You're about to get out of that miserableness. You're about to get out of that sadness. I'm going to worship. My emotions might be over there. My mind might be somewhere else. But guess what? I can clap my hands and I can get my strength moving towards God. Come on, give God a hand for that. Same thing. That's why we lift our hands. What are we doing? We control our strength. Okay, so Bible says lift your hands in the sanctuary. So let's let's just everybody do it right now. Just everybody lift their hands. Look, look, you did it. Look, Some of you have been waiting like three months to try and lift your hands. Look how easy it was. Look, we all did it together. Look around. No one got weird. No one, you know... You just you lift your hands. What? It's, it's a sign of surrender to God. Still, I don't, I don't know about that. That's the, it's a little too emotional. Emotional. I would love to see you at a football game. <laughs> of course it's emotional. We were created with emotions. God made us with emotions. Emotions are part of our soul. That's why God says, look, start worshiping me with your strength. You know what God's saying? Get emotional. 
I need you to get emotional because I'm trying to get to your soul and get your mind. So, so, so then what we love God with our strength. We raise our hands. We clap our hands. You know, if you're like me, if you learn how to dance on soul train, you might, you know, get a little, uh, get a little, uh, get a little, uh. You kind of imagine yourself coming down that soul train lane with everybody clapping. You're like, mm, mm. okay, maybe not. But so, so now watch, we get, we get our strength going. Then guess what? Now our mind can get focused. Now we can focus our mind on what those words are saying. We're folk, Jesus, you are all I need. Jesus, Christ alone. Christ, our, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace, right? So here's another important thing about worship. Watch. When you see those words, you got your strength going. You got your mind on the screen. Okay, we're focusing on Jesus, not just enjoying the music. When you see those words, watch this. Look at me. Move your lips. Say the words. Sing the words. And it's okay. Listen, you want to know why, 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 why 11.22, why the music's a, l- a little loud? Because Pastor Joby wants you to be able to sing and worship God and not distract everybody with your bad voice. You better thank God the music's a little loud here. <laughs> why, does, why, do that, why does 11.22 keep it a little dark in here? You think, you know, they're just trying to be cool. No, they're trying to get your mind off yourself and other people and they're trying to create an atmosphere that you can experience the presence of God and satisfy your soul. So you go, our mind, once God, watch this, here's the key to worship. See, everything in the spiritual first starts in the natural. Here's the key to worship. You give God your strength. See? Now your mind, you give God your mind. I'm focusing on those words and I'm singing. Watch this. When he has your strength in mind, he's got the soul. Love the Lord your God, God with all your strength, mind, soul. He, now he has your soul. And that's, that's when the at that moment, watch. That's when the at that moment experience happens with the presence of God. And for that moment, watch. integrated I'm satisfying my thirst with Jesus Jesus the lover of my soul Father thank you for your word God I pray tonight here's what I want to ask you tonight Matt I want you to come on up I want to ask you this first of all I want to ask you if you'd say Stovall I've I've been trying to satisfy my soul with other things. And I know, I realize tonight, I, 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 I know it, but I, I just want to take that step of faith and just tell my soul, soul, what you really need is Jesus. And I'm just going to, from from this day forward, I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to bring my cares, my needs, even my temptations and my passions to Jesus. You know who you are tonight. If that's you, if you've you've been trying to 
quench that soul thirst with other things that are pulling you away from God and you're just ready to feel the love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus in your life. Receive his living water. If that's you, will you just lift up a hand right now wherever you are? If you're saying, Stovall, I'm making a, I'm making a change during this saturate right now. Man, so many hands are up right now. You can put those hands down. How many of you would say this? You'd say, uh, Stovall, I, I feel like, um, I just feel weighed down. I, I'm just heavy tonight. I, I have burdens and I, I just want to bring those things to Jesus. I need rest from my soul. I want to trade my worry for worship. If that's you, will you raise up a hand wherever ever you are? Yes, so many hands going up. You can put them down. And one more question I have. If you'd say, uh, Stove, I, I think I might be a lost son. I feel like I'm I'm drifting and I don't I don't really know Jesus. And I'm ready to come surrender my life to Jesus. If that's you tonight, if listen, if you're ready to come come home to Jesus, if you're ready to surrender to Jesus, I, I know, I just know that there, there's people here tonight that God brought you here to hear this message. And your search is over tonight. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand wherever you are. If you'd say, Stovall, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm ready to surrender. I want you to lift it high wherever, wherever you are. Yes, 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 yes. Lift those hands high. That's not for me. That's for God. Yes. Yes. Who else? Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Yes, yes, several hands over there. Yes, I see those hands in the back. Listen, you're coming home tonight. You were once lost, but now you're found. Come on, church, can you give my hand for that? You're not lost anymore. You're not lost anymore. You're found tonight in Jesus. We're sinners saved by grace, man. You're, 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 you're welcome to the family. So, so here's, here's what I want to do tonight, okay? What I want to do is uh, I want to open up the altar during this last song, Pastor Joby. Is that, is that okay? I want to open up the altar. And there were so many hands that went up in so many different areas. I, I, here's here's kind of how I want to do this because I don't know where you are, but here's what I know. The altar represents the meeting place with God. And I know this. I know that change happens at the altar. Change happens at the altar. So if you need to let God satisfy your soul, if you need to come to this altar, then we want to make this altar available for you. So watch this. Here's, here's, what, here's what I want to ask. How, how, how many of you, like, man, you're serious. You're like, Stovall, I, I got to get with God tonight. I got to get this happening tonight. Raise your hand right now. Look, I want you to come to this altar. Just just come to this altar right now. Come on up here. Just come on up here. Come on, if you got those look, if you got those heavy burdens, man, you got those cares, I would I would bring those cares to the altar. If you're trying to Man, I I don't know what I'd do without an altar. I go, I go to the altar all the time. You got to get with God. 
Don't let this opportunity pass you up. So here's what I'm going to ask everyone to do. Come on, let's all stand right now. Let's all stand. And let's just begin to worship. And let's cry out to Jesus in our soul. And really sing this song like we mean it. Let's focus on Jesus. Jesus.